Intelligent, sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. It's exactly what we've been saying all along. We're glad that they finally caught up. It's sad, it's hurtful for the country that it's taken two years to get there. We have been saying all along that there was absolutely no collusion. Um, and I think it's time for everybody to be able to move on and move forward. Well, I'm not gonna be disappointed in the president. I'm disappointed in Congress. I mean, the president wants to keep the government open. If he uses this as a vehicle, so be it. Democrats control the House, Republicans control the Senate. Donald Trump is the president. This legislation is a product of trying to find common ground. The conference committee has done its job. It's forged a bipartisan agreement that would keep government open through September, as well as provide additional border security. We'll see what the final package looks like and the president will make a determination on whether or not he's going to sign it. But you can rest assured the president promised he was going to build the wall and he's going to deliver. And now, Stacey Washington. <laughs> oh, everyone wants to find someone to blame just in case the deal doesn't go down and the government gets shut down again. Everyone wants to not be the one who's responsible for it while being the one who's responsible for maybe, yeah, nothing. <laughs> it's just, it's the most ludicrous thing in the world that we're having this kind of argument about something so fundamental and basic as national security in the form of a southern border. And I also think it's interesting, just to launch right into the show here without any, any prelude or anything, uh, there are more and more people are finding their way down to the border. And these are, not, um, these are not partisans. Or if they are, they're going down to the border in a way that is kind of like, hey, I'm taking a trip to the border. It's like a, a sightseeing trip. And what they're finding is a mixture of things. Everything from actual border fencing that looks pretty like pretty impenetrable to uh, what looks like. So there's something called horse fencing. I know everyone is familiar with that. It's just, you know, boards that are horizontal and they're kind of hammered into holes in vertical posts. And horse fencing is really effective for kind of corralling horses. Um, unless your horses are professional jumpers, they're not going to, they're not going to go over this fencing. So it's, it's not very high. It's not even four feet high. Um, sometimes you'll find a little fancier horse fencing that's a little taller than that. But for the most part, it's very open and it usually, you don't even find it reinforced with, uh, wire fencing. It's just, it basically, it, it delineates property lines and it, uh, makes a very visually appealing fencing and it's also cheap. So you can do hundreds of acres with it. The border of hundreds of acres, much cheaper than if you were to go with something like a PVC or wrought iron or even, you know, chain link. It's just the issue is you have tons and tons and tons or acres and acres and acres of space to fence. And so I thought it was super interesting that on Twitter, this is a guy I've never actually heard of before, but he was a part of the Trump administration for a brief period of time as a speech writer and some other things. And so he took a trip down to the southern border and he's getting retweeted by people who I would consider to be pretty moderate individuals who are hardly, you know, hard on the right like me. And what he did was he just he went down to the border in different places and he sees where he said it's just like, let's say you were building a fence and then all of a sudden the fencing stops and there's just these little sticks linked to each other. And that's that's the border fence 
So in other words, the fencing has just not been completed. And that's what the discussion has really been. And I do think it's unfortunate that the president started off his conversation about the border wall by saying we need to build the wall. I even have a sign. You guys have seen it up uh, before on, on the shelves behind me. The build the wall signs from the Trump rally that was held here in Columbia, Missouri. And it was it was a national push. All of the rallies that he did during that period, people were given those signs. But it's really finish the wall. And again, I I think this idea that people have ruled out a concrete barrier as something that is horrible and can't be put up, it's a testimony to really how deeply ingrained in people their opposition to President Trump is because no one ever mentioned a concrete structure being a problem before President Trump mentioned it. When he said he wanted a big, beautiful 30-foot-tall wall, that's when people started hating that idea, and not a minute before. So welcome to the show. I actually... I'm so excited to talk about the murderous drug kingpin, El Chapo, being convicted. I watched a video, uh, just a quick one, about what he's going to be facing. In uh, He's going to go to one of those Supermax prisons that they always have, you know, movies are made about people breaking out of Supermax and how impossible it is. Because he has broken out of prison twice before, he's going to be, uh, you know, imprisoned in what is considered to be an inescapable type of a situation there. But it's also... It's sad, and I know it's it's a weird thing to hear me as as hard as I am on drug trafficking, illegal immigration, um, open borders, and specifically the drug cartels. It's kind of weird to hear me say it's sad, but the video that they shared was uh, it, it's a look at the conditions that he'll be living in, and in most prisons in the United States. Prison inmates have access to television. They have access to libraries. They're not kept in solitary confinement unless they've done something awful, like they're you know repeatedly engage in violence and injure another inmate. Um, usually, they have significant portions of their day where they are allowed to be outside and then also in contact with other people, and they eat together. And this is not the situation with him. He's going to be in solitary confinement 23 hours out of a 24-hour day. 23 hours a day, he'll be in solitary and a, a room that the only soft thing in there will be the thin, thin mattress on the bed. And it's, I mean, it's just like when you look at the video of where he's going to be, it's unimaginable. Honestly, it's unimaginable that, that a person would be forced to live like that. Um, and I know some of the people who were reporting back from some of the reporters who were sharing from the actual trial were saying that when he showed up initially a few months ago when the trial first began, he was uh, teary-eyed and bleary and really just, uh, you know, he didn't look like a drug kingpin. He didn't look like a scary person. But the reports of him are that he has, you know, executed people by shooting them in the head and, um, you know, done other horrible things to people who, in, in order to fight over a drug turf and to take over the control of different cartels. And other people have said that they're they're definitely not uh, in, in the country that he comes from, in Mexico, and specifically in uh, Centola, I think is the name of it, um, the, the city where he operated the cartel and also some of the other places where he lived, and even the, the hometown where he grew up, they've said that he's built roads and he's done this and that, and so they ignore the violence that he's perpetrated because he's done things to improve the area. And they're saying now there'll be a whole nother war over his turf. But that brings us to the money that they've seized uh, billions of dollars, $14 billion, I think, was last reported that they have now of his money and whether or not that money will be used to build the wall. 
And I'm pretty excited about the prospect of Ted Cruz, you know, bringing his bill forward, although something tells me the Democrats would never go for it. You know what I mean? Like they just can't go for it um, because it would be too much like right if they went for it. So today we're going to be speaking to Cassie Smaddle. She's a national, national press secretary and spokesperson for the RNC. And we're also going to uh, be getting into the the kind of details, the gory details. If the Democrats succeed in getting the president to sign a bill that decreases the number of beds that ICE has to detain criminal illegal aliens, which districts do these criminal illegal aliens get released back into? They're being held in, you know, centralized facilities now, but where will they be released? And we should, as American citizens, know every single line number. So the, the number, the prisoner's number and where that prisoner's crime, what they're being held for or where they're being released. Yeah, I said it. That's that's what we need to know. So uh, we'll be getting into that as well. Right now, I want to talk to you about India Partners, and then we're going to get into uh, the Daily Confession, which today is all about God's plan for your life. So I'm so excited to share that with you. India Partners is our partnership where we're providing days of safety to children who are growing up in Mumbai's red light district. And we're so grateful to those who have already partnered with us on this, providing a day of safety for $7.08. And we're asking you, if you have not yet partnered, please Call the number. It's 877-616-2396, 877-616-2396, or go to AFR.net. That's AFR.net. And you can find all the information that's needed to quickly donate one day of safety, $7.08, or as many days as you feel led to give um, to provide safety for these kids. I want to listen to a testimonial from one of the children themselves and what these days of safety really mean to them. It's 3049. I don't remember much of my dad, but I do remember my mom. She was doing things I didn't like. When I was little, my mom brought different men over. These men were not nice, and they hurt my mom. This one man was very bad. One time, he did things with my mom and my sister, and then he pushed me down the steps. I rolled over several times and broke many bones. This scar here on my forehead, this scar is from that night. But after that night, my mom got my sister and me out. I came here, and my sister went to the girls' home. My mom decided that it just wasn't safe for us at our old home. Later, my sister and I found out that that man was the reason my mom is no more. So these are kids who, through no fault of their own, are experiencing horrors that we would never want any child to experience. And here in our country, where admittedly we have a lot of different issues going on, but we are blessed in that. We have many more social programs that help people in circumstances as dire as these in our country. And in Mumbai, India, they're just, this doesn't exist. And that's why India Partners is doing this amazing work of rescuing children uh, in these red light districts and giving them the opportunity to have a safe place where they don't have to worry about being hurt or harmed or in, in any of the things that they're currently experiencing. Please call 877-616-2396, 877-616-2396, or go to AFR.net to partner with us and provide a day of safety for $7.08 for a child in Mumbai's red light district. 
So now I want to pivot over to, and thank you for doing that. And so I want to pivot over to uh, the Daily Confession. So I was thinking, you know, sometimes I'm like, what am I going to talk about for the Daily Confession? And today I felt like immediately, as soon as I said, what am I going to talk about, you know, to myself, like, I, I don't know if you guys talk to yourselves, but if you don't, you probably should, because talking to yourself can be kind of awesome. And so I immediately thought to myself, hmm, we're talking about God's plan for our life. Because yesterday I was telling you all of the things about, that the Bible says about you that are awesome and amazing. It was a pick me up. It was a boost. It was a shot in the arm, a kick in the pants. It was exactly what we needed. And today you're probably, if, if you're like me, you're like a little puffed up. You're like, yes, that was awesome. I know what God says about me. I'm here to get this thing done. I can do it. I can do all things through Christ. I'm revving. I'm ready to go. But maybe you're a little in the valley of decision. Maybe you weren't discouraged yesterday and you were like, yeah, thank you so much for the encouragement. But boom, what, what is it that I'm, what step am I supposed to take? I'm in a, in a place where I need to go here or go here. I have two choices or I have three choices and I'm not sure what to do. Well, the Bible is very clear that we can actually go to God at any point with any problem and expect him to answer our request, not just to, you know, some kind of vague feeling, but to actually answer and make it clear to us what he wants us to do. And so when we're in that area where we're like, oh, I don't, I'm not sure, I'm not sure. The first thing we have to acknowledge is that God is sovereign and he has a plan for our lives. And so I want to give you Philippians 1, 9 through 11. It says, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So this is Philippians. You've got a few things here to unpack. And so really quickly, I want to, I want to run down this. First of all, we, we have to, again, understand who we are in Christ. The Bible describes us as, you know, the children of your youth are, are like arrows in the quiver. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full. The Bible also talks about us going out and making our mark for Jesus Christ and then here in Philippians, we're told that we, we will be able to discern what is best and pure and blameless for the day of Christ when we are filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ and the glory and praise of God, which means we, we have nothing to fear and that God's plan for our life is evident. We have only to walk in it, asking him first and then obeying, walking in obedience. All right, we'll be back with more after this. Here's American Family Association President, Tim Wildman. Lynn Ingram and Jim Duncan, two Texans, support and believe in our ministry here at AFA and AFR. We know more about the laundry business than anything else. We know a little bit about a lot of things, but we know a lot about the laundry and dry cleaning business. They created a laundry detergent to sell to folks to support AFA. We just want to be able to provide a product that can be used by AFA to support the ministry. When you wash your family's clothes with Redeem Clean Laundry Detergent, you can take great satisfaction in knowing that you're supporting the vital work of the American Family Association. It's a unique way to increase your giving to AFA. For clean laundry and support of a cleaner society, it's Redeem Clean. Learn more about the Redeem Clean products when you visit redeemclean.afastore.net. 
Hi, I'm Crawford Loritz with a Legacy Moment. Tiger Woods is a phenomenal golfer. He can do things with a golf ball that are just short of incredible. Although I love golf and I love to play golf, I will never be a fourth of the player that Tiger Woods is. I don't have what it takes. Even if I wore the same clothes and played with his clubs, I still couldn't pull it off. I could try to disguise myself to be him, but when I stood over that ball to hit it, the world would know that I was a fraud. Something like that happened in Acts chapter 19 of the book of Acts. The Apostle Paul had just performed some incredible miracles in Ephesus. Some were envious of him and decided, hey, look, we can do this. In fact, this might be quite lucrative. Listen to this account in Acts chapter 19, verses 14 and 15, when these seven guys tried to cast out demons. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this, but the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know and Paul I recognize, but who are you? Oops, an embarrassing moment. They had the image. They probably had followed Paul and the rest around and caught their mannerisms, checked out how they did things. They even used Jesus' name. We need to be careful not to exchange image for substance. We've got to be the real deal. There has to be a genuine, legitimate experience in our own souls with the living Lord of history. Not everybody standing with the Bible on TV or in an arena has the real power of God resident in their lives. Here's what I want you to remember today. We can't give what we don't possess any more than I can claim to be Tiger Woods. Search your heart. Make sure you've given your life to Christ. Join Crawford Loritz tomorrow for another Legacy Moment. You can watch a live stream of the show on Facebook or YouTube at Stacy on the Right. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Welcome back. Uh, thank you for making your home on American Family Radio. We really appreciate having you here. And I always appreciate when we have our next guest on the program. She's awesome. And I have so many questions about everything that's going on in D.C. right now. So it's perfect time to be joined by Cassie Smeddle, National Press Secretary and Spokesperson for the RNC. Cassie. Thank you for coming on. Hello. You're one of my most favorite people to talk to. This is working oh, out great. And this is actually working out totally great. Unlike how things are working out for El Chapo. He's, his stuff's not working out great oh. for him. Oh, my gosh. I was reading. I don't know if you read the bright email. The Federalist puts it out. It's like the skim for conservatives. And they were like, this is the greatest telenovela you haven't been watching. All of the play-by-play of his trial is crazy. I mean, I so I haven't been getting that. I have to make a note to myself. The Federalist, the skim. I'll okay, I, I, yes. yeah, I need, I need that. Um, okay, so but, but what I have been reading about, and you know, it's <laughs> grim stuff. It's so, like totally grim stuff. Mm. Is what he's like. Like you know, he's a murderous thug. He's a killer. He's he's like scary pants all over. Like anything you've seen on TV, just oh my goodness. Like I'm I'm. There's no way to really articulate it for like for most of us because we're not just in a very civilized and kind of high functioning society but most of us live lives in which we're so detached from really any kind of crime at all that when we see it in the mm-hmm. movies it's just something you know it's just it's it's just something it's like an, something that's been objectified and also kind of sanitized because in movies it's not even accurate as to what you know drug lords are like and all of that 
But this guy, he was like a demon, you know, just just trafficking drugs, killing people, doing whatever he wanted to do. With a smile on his face. I mean, so smug. And to even the people who were testifying against him, the mistresses and all of that, who, you know, were still professing their love, which you have to believe was out of um, straight fear for his network and retaliation. But it was just pretty crazy. And I think that not to tie into all that we're doing here, but in talking about with immigration and border security and all of mm-hmm. that, but it's the nth degree example of all of that. And, and, um, and hopefully it's an outlier example, but it is, it is the reality that these people exist not too far away from our country and they relish in the ability to completely um, make horror stories out of people's lives. And so, you know, Cassie, it, it does connect up and, um, you know, it's it's a part of the news that we're consuming and it is something interesting, you know, kind of like it, Americans do love to kind of um, delve into court cases. Like if there's a court case that becomes nationally prominent, we all like to kind of pull aside and, and take a moment and watch and, you know, what's happened and right. everyone discusses it. But this is this really dovetails in this man has been able to be so successful trafficking drugs into America because we have an open border. He's he's been able to use our own laws against us and thwart our mm-hmm. efforts to reduce his effectiveness. He's been largely successful and he's made billions of dollars because of intransigence by both parties, but primarily Democrats. And his worst enemy is President Trump and what President Trump wants to do with uh, with our na- national sovereignty and our border. Well, that's absolutely right. And the thing that was terrifying to me, you know, you hear the El Chapo verdict come out, come down. I thought, all right, well, that's him. But he has this whole network, a network of people who believe in what he's doing or at least fear for their lives so much so that they're complicit in what he's doing. And those people are still out there, as you say, taking advantage of our laws and the loopholes in our laws uh, and wreaking havoc on our country and on our communities. And this drug trafficking, this is the thing that, you know, I'm, as we talked about before, I'm from Missouri. I'm obviously not a border state. And yet, because of all of the drug trafficking, that's what all of us have to be concerned about because that's hitting every single community, regardless of geography. Every community in America has been so heinously impacted by the opioid epidemic and by the and 90% of those drugs are coming across our southern border. We just had another seizure. Did you see they just seized several thousand pounds of marijuana in the last couple yeah. of days? Yeah. I mean, our guys are doing incredible work. But the point of the wall is so that they can focus their time and efforts on seizing that marijuana, seizing the network of El Chapo's and others' network that are just relentlessly taking advantage of our poorest border and poorest laws. So if we have a wall, then that's less time that they have to spend on these areas that are opened and more time that they can spend um, zeroing in on this problem and putting an end to it. And as President Trump says, it has to start with the wall. And we've had a wall on um, hundreds of miles of our border for years. We've been repairing it and adding to it for years. This is nothing new. The only difference now is that President Trump wants it done, and that's why Democrats have changed their tune on it. But the facts haven't changed. The crisis has worsened. And unfortunately, every single day, the El Chapos of the world are with a smile on their face, all too happy to take advantage of our country and wreak havoc in our community and in our families. So, Cassie, you, you really you encapsulated that perfectly. But I've, I've been saying here on the radio, 
Um, and I got a couple emails where people were mad, but I, I was like undeterred because I do think I ha- I'm on to something here. Um, really, like when there's good and bad, right and wrong, black and white, the truth and lies, you have to pick one side. And with the drug trade and what they're doing, I mean, if, if you don't believe Cassie and I, just go, just Google El Chapo and look up some of the things that he's known to have done to other human beings. Um, and then, then, you know, then come back. Don't, don't, don't go in uninformed. But I, I kind of put it like this. You have Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, and all of the Democrats, and they're kind of advocating to permit El Chapo's successor and, and the other ones who are taking over the other drug, drug cartels, because El Chapo's not the, the, whole, the whole pie. He's like one guy. Mm-hmm. Um, they're mm-hmm. advocating for those guys to be able to continue to funnel drugs into this country and make billions of dollars off of the suffering of Americans, while the president, and I don't think President Trump's perfect, I don't worship him, but speaking of this issue specifically, the president is on the side of Americans who don't want to see 70,000 be the number of deaths next year due to opioid addiction and overdoses, et cetera, et cetera. It really, are the, is there another side that I'm missing here? or do Because I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really tired of people saying, You're, you don't have this right. I see it as really black and white and easy to kind of explain. You either are for the drug cartels dealing us drugs and selling us drugs into our country, mm-hmm. or you're not. I couldn't agree with you more. And that we've, this is also what's interesting is that that is such a practical argument to say we all agree that we have an opioid crisis in our country and a drug crisis in our country. That doesn't seem to be any issue um, on either side of the aisle. Everyone agrees with that. Okay. So now let's agree on how we treat people who are dealing with this disease of addiction. We all agree on that. Okay. Now let's talk about the source of these drugs and these uh, the opioids and the narcotics. Where are they coming from? Well, 90% are coming from our southern border, according to our brave men and women on the front lines who see them and seize them every day. 90% are on the southern border. Okay, so how do we stop that? Well, if you could give us more resources for this, if you could build a barrier here, that would allow more people to come. They're telling us all of these things that would be helpful. And now, all of a sudden, Democrats are saying, nope, that's wrong. We're not going to do it. So it's bizarre to me that they can agree and recognize the steps just along with the rest of us every step of the way. And then when you get to the source and how we could actually start to curb the issue by cutting off the supply, Hmm. then no, no, no. Now it's back to politics as usual and they won't do it. That's what people need to know. Every single time a Democrat says abolish ICE or every time they vote against funding for a border or frankly every time they just aren't willing to talk about immigration reform as a whole, that is a Democrat saying, I don't care what is happening to you and your family right now because it is happening the six degrees of separation, somebody told me it's like two or three degrees of separation with the opioid epidemic. If we aren't someone, we all know someone who is suffering from this. And it is, it, 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 I mean, I don't have the words for it. It's horrific that we would have elected officials who can't connect that dot or refuse to connect that dot purely for political purposes. And so it, it's devastating. Um, and, and as you and I are talking about this, I know there are, so when you say three degrees of separation, I, th- I think about the, you know, dozens of states that we have this program broadcast into and all the communities of Americans. And so, you, you know, people have someone in their extended family who's suffering from this, or they know someone from their church or their school or their workplace mm-hmm. who has a family member that's dealing with this. So you take that, that death toll, that carnage that people are seeing, Either they, they have a family member who's hooked on these drugs and desperately trying to get off, 
or they have someone who's, you know, been felled by the overdose epidemic, which is, you know, this, these drugs are not clean. They're laced with things and people are getting killed. Mm -hmm. But then let's just, I mean, I hate to be Debbie Downer, but the subject matter is tough. There's also the people who are being sexually assaulted, kidnapped, you know, driven over by drunk drivers, um, you know, the the robberies, the home invasions, um, all of this is also happening. So hundreds of thousands of Americans on a yearly basis experiencing criminal activity within our this is our home where we live here together as Mm -hmm. Americans. And all of that could be greatly reduced if we were to simply say we're sealing up our southern border, we still have, you know, a, a process by which people travel, you know, north and south between Mexico and here. Mexico is still a trading partner. We're not declaring war on them. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know if you saw there was um, one of the representatives, a Republican guy, was saying what we should do is we should actually declare the drug cartels instead of transnational criminal organizations, we should call them um, terrorist organizations because of the death tolls. You can connect all these deaths mm. to them and it's it's much worse than terrorism right now in our country. We don't have that many deaths from terrorism mm. as we do from this. And if the president were to do that, then Congress would be completely removed from the picture. He would be able to dedicate Department of Defense resources and he'd be able to snuff out drug lords because they would no longer be criminals do you know subject to due process mm. they would be terrorists subject to you know basically undeclared declarations of war like like how we do with the other terrorists or we just drone them mm-hmm. out of existence what's the chance of a, the president I, doing that yeah. i mean I, it sounds like something viable doesn't it well it does that's the first i'm hearing of that thought and when the way you lay it out that makes a lot of sense and i know that um certainly i have no information of that's something that's been brought to the president's attention but him saying i'm going to solve this crisis at the board i'm not taking my eye off of this and i'm going to go by any legal means necessary to do this uh, i would imagine that that might be something that eventually makes it on the list of options because it, i'm going to send you the link because I'm going to send you yeah, the link to the do. story, but and, and I know I know you're super busy, and and no, by no means do I mean you're gonna, but I I want to send it to you so you can see it since we're talking about it, and and the reason yeah. I'm bringing it up is just because we've talked about it a little bit on the show, and a lot of the listeners have called in and said, yeah, I mean, why wouldn't we treat this like that, like the worst death toll, uh, you know, besides abortion, which is legal in this country. Um, you know, you're looking at deaths from like heart disease and stuff like that. We're fighting all of that. But this this opioid epidemic, it's it's more people killed by that than there are by guns. And liberals certainly want to do something. We, we could save just one mm-hmm. life. So if there were a way for the president not to have to deal with Nancy Pelosi, I just I, I know he's looking at everything in his toolkit. And I would want him to, you know, kind of be aware of this one as well, which is this is actually in the law because he's a president, commander in chief of the United States Armed Forces. Mm-hmm. And, and he gets to by our Constitution, the safety and security of Americans mm-hmm. is well within his job description. I, I think it is a uh, fascinating thought. I would love for you to send it to me. I will. Um, push well, through I, the network. I don't know if I'll be the one that helps me get it there, but you know what? Um, I, I, just I want to would know just, more about it. As yeah, well. you and your staff and your people can know about it, <laughs> and you guys are super well connected, which I totally enjoy. Like the good, it's good to know friends, to have friends who know other friends who are like you know awesome. So that's how I view that. Um, so 
now that yes, we've got wonderful. we've got that whole thing going, and we just have a couple minutes left in this segment, and I wanted to ask you. Um, so we, I've seen a lot of people talking about the Green New Deal, and I even had some people saying, "Look, this this Green New Deal thing is like a distraction." We know the Democrats don't want to build every new every building in America torn down and rebuilt. What it, what is it that they're doing with the other hand while we're all paying attention to the silliness of the Green New Deal? Do you buy into that or did they really just mess this thing up the way that we it looks like they did? Yeah, it's it certainly a bad rollout that made them look really silly and disorganized. <laughs> but don't mistake that amateur hour for this being – don't take that as a joke of a deal. This is what they want. Think about every issue that we've been talking about recently where not too long ago we would have thought these positions were just so far-fetched. Abolishing ICE. Who would have thought that would have caught on, you know, maybe five years ago? What? No. Who would talk about that? And now that's part of the resist movement. Think about the conversation we're having about post-birth abortions uh, in our country right now. That's something that even people who are pro-choice moderates have always been that that late-term abortions were a bridge too far. And then we've come to find polls just this week, which shows far majority of Americans, I think, depending on how you ask the question, 76 to 80 percent of Americans find that that extreme position on um, being able to abort a baby at its due date or even Mm -hmm. just after its birth is so extreme. And yet that's part of the everyday conversation with Democrats in America today. So things that we think sound laughably extreme, do not take them for granted on it. They would love any opportunity they can to try and push this through, which is why I absolutely love that Mitch McConnell is trying to push a vote on the Green New Deal in the Senate, and the Democrat senators are raising cane over it because they don't want to have to vote on it. But it's important that you see a vote. It's important that we have a record showing this thing that you and I out here in everyday America are laughing at because it just (laughs) sounds so ridiculous is very serious to them, so serious, in fact, that Kamala Harris has no problem saying she supports it, neither does Cory Booker, neither does Elizabeth Warren. All of these 2020 hopefuls, the more well-known ones, are like all too happy to endorse it. So if it's a joke and if they don't really mean it, then why are they even taking the time to endorse it? So I think we actually have to be very careful and be very aware that this is absolutely where the mainstream Democrat Party is today. And people need to know that as they are making their decision uh, to who they're going to vote for in 2020. I I agree with you 100 percent. I I tend to think that they're much more brazen now and stuff that looks crazy to us looks absolutely feasible to them, which in is in and of itself like that's a whole nother hour of, of us you and i just wondering what's going on here on cassis metal <laughs> national press secretary and spokesperson for the rnc thank you for coming on today talk to you soon thank you thanks for always making the conversation all right talk to you again soon we'll be right back with more what does it take to be a sports success and a team player Here's Pro Football Hall of Fame coach Tony Dungy with today's Uncommon Moment. When I think of the ultimate teammates, two names come to mind, Peyton Manning and Marvin Harrison. This duo, who I had the pleasure of coaching for seven incredible seasons, is the most prolific quarterback-receiver pairing in NFL history. But what a lot of people don't know is how hard they worked to make what they did look effortless. They put countless hours into practice, training, in the film room, and together, They led the Colts to a Super Bowl championship. Their skill, work ethic, and their chemistry was truly uncommon. I'm so proud that Harrison was inducted into the Hall of Fame alongside me. 
and I have no doubt that Peyton Manning will join us as soon as he's eligible. Tony Dungy, best-selling author of Quiet Strength and the Uncommon book series. Discover more at CoachDungy.com. Hi, this is Steve Tiber with 8 Days of Hope. We've seen God open up so many doors for us to help serve and love those who get affected by a natural disaster. As the trees and the wind started crashing down around us, my wife was, of course, very diligently praying, you know, Lord, please be with us. Very simply, we do it because God commands us to love others. I see these volunteers all as a gift from God. And I'm just grateful they're here, you know, helping out. It's a blessing. If you're interested in becoming a part of what God's doing through 8 Days of Hope, please go to 8daysofhope.com, click on Get Involved, submit your email address. I've noticed that whenever there's a time in my life when um, things might be a little gloomy, the number one thing that I can do is to go serve somebody. And uh, I would encourage anyone else to, uh, it's worth it. Come out and do it next time if you didn't make it to this one. And um, the Father will really bless you in it. Thank you so much for your prayers and volunteering with 8 Days of Hope. From America's election headquarters. For the last three cycles, Virginia has picked a Democrat for president, but the Commonwealth's 13 electoral votes could be up for grabs as dueling scandals continue to be a drag on Democratic lawmakers accused of sexual misconduct or racist behavior. Here's the University of Virginia's Dr. Larry Sabato. Virginia has created a big problem for the eventual Democratic nominee. President Trump tweeted this week, if the three failing polls were Republicans, far stronger action would be taken. But one potential presidential candidate thinks voters will forget Virginia because so many Democrats have demanded resignations in Richmond. Here's Congressman Eric Swalwell. 2020, I think, is going to be about, you know, has our country lost, you know, our moral compass? And if our leaders are standing up and saying, I don't care if you're a Republican or a Democrat, we're going to hold you to account. In Washington, Peter Ducey, Fox News. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Uh, we're not sure yet, to be quite honest, and I'm, I'm not really ready to focus on what could be in there. I'd like to focus on what is actually in there, and we haven't seen that yet. We've heard some rumors and we've heard uh, some reports. We've seen some reporting on exactly what uh, could or could not be in there, but it doesn't jive with what we're hearing. It's not consistent with what we're hearing. Uh, coming out of the conference committee. So until we actually see it, it's very difficult to comment on it. I will tell you the president obviously wants to protect the American people. He's been clear about what he wants. And so far, all we've heard from Democrats are, are a proposal that included letting people out of jail who are convicted criminals. Some of those include rapists and murderers. That's completely unacceptable. So if that kind of language is still in there, uh, if they're going to stand by that particular proposal that ICE can't arrest criminals, and the ones that are in there that are in overflow have to be released. We've got a whole nother situation on our hands. And the only thing that's missing from the Democrat proposal, if that is still in there, in fact, is a proposal from them that tell us exactly which districts of their own that we'd like or they'd like for us to put those criminals into, because that's just a ludicrous notion on its face. So until we actually see the language, it's very difficult to comment on something that uh, that, that isn't in front of but us. And I want to make one more point. Uh, and that was White House spokesman Hogan Gidley, who we've actually spoken before. Um, I believe it was at the uh, Radio Row last year. He came on the program. I got to interview him live, and he's a really great guy. Um, and he supplements the work that's done uh, with 
uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. So it's wonderful to have him uh, weighing in on behalf of the White House. And he's speaking about this idea where the Democrats have put it out there that they want to reduce the number of immigration customs enforcement beds that are available in which to house criminals. So not people who are thought to be criminals or may possibly be criminals or who have been maybe charged with something. We're talking about actual criminals here. Now, the former director of ICE actually has the numbers that the Democrats are putting forward in their proposal. And this is kind of staggering. It's stunning. It's like if you're if you're driving, just keep your hands at um, 10 and 2, you know, so steady hands, steady on the wheel. And I don't want your blood boiling, but I want you to kind of prepare yourself for what you're going to hear. He's talking about the release of 30,000 illegal immigrants. If the Democrats get the wall deal that they proposed, it's number three. Look, I've been saying for almost a year that I don't think they're ever going to accomplish the abolish ICE that they've been saying they're going to do. But I've been saying what they're going to do, they're going to bankrupt ICE to make them ineffective. They, they'll take their money away so they can't do the job. I mean, the number they put on the table, like 32,000 cap beds, mm-hmm. understand ICE is currently at 47,000, which means they're 15,000 over the cap. Now, we're halfway through the year. To get to that 32,000 by the end of the year, they're going to have to go 15,000 below. Uh, 32. So that means if they're 15,000 above, they got 15,000 below. ICE will have to release 30,000 people from custody. 30,000. If you're in their country illegally, they're, they're processing what we call uh, expedited removal right. and congressionally mandated, you have to detain them. So if ICE can't detain and reach the border crossers, not only are you back to catch and release, Border Patrol will be catching them and releasing them from the stations and not get, even give them over to ICE, which is a violation of the law. So that's why so, Democrats, they want to put those ankle bracelets on them, right? Ankle braces, look, ankle braces, first of all, one-third of the people that wear ankle braces cut them off. Ankle braces do not equal uh, deportations. If you look at how long, because once you get an ankle bracelet, you're on the 90-10 docket, which means immigration court puts you on the backlog. So you're going to be in the country seven, eight years. So it may be cheaper per day for an ankle bracelet, but you're on the docket so long. If you would have been to detention, the average day in detention is 37 days. It's far cheaper to detain somebody and remove them. You put them on an ankle bracelet, it costs a lot more money in the long run. So, so allow that to soak into you for just a second. We're talking about the criminals, right? They, they're detained and they put, they're put, if they're, under the Obama implementation of this policy, the way the Obama administration interpreted this law and executed it, they would put an ankle bracelet on every single one of them and release them into the country. And fully a third of them would remove the ankle bracelet, which means they disappear forever. There's no, unless they commit a crime and are incarcerated for something serious um, that they're not given a slap on the wrist for. And if they're not in a sanctuary state like Illinois or California, then they might come into contact with ICE again. But otherwise, they're out in the country doing whatever. And remember, I think one of the things that goes without saying that we kind of take for granted is that every time there's a crime that's committed, that it's solved, right? So we do, we do have a good record of that here in this country. But if you look at us and compare us with some other countries, there are people who are very dissatisfied with our rate of uh, you know, closing cases. And it also depends on where the crime happens. If the crime happens in an inner city, the likelihood of it being solved is much lower than if it happens in the suburbs. And it also depends on what region of the country you're in. But the assumption that every time a person is released on an ankle bracelet and they take the ankle bracelet off, 
this is an illegal immigrant, so they've already showed a propensity for breaking the law. They're in the country. If they break laws and they're not caught, then they're just breaking laws and not getting caught. Victims are going without having justice. And that person is still in the United States. So when we see, remember the numbers from yesterday, 42 million Latin Americans want to live here, 5 million plan on coming this year. We have all of the ones that are here now. Now no one uses 11 million anymore. Now they say 22 million. I've told you here many times on the show, I think the number is more like 38 million. I think there are just as many Hispanics here illegally as there are blacks in this country. That is unverifiable, um, which is why the president wants to have the Census Bureau ask the question, are you in the country legally? Because that will definitely give us a, a clear picture. First of all, a quarter of the uh, the apportionment that goes to the state of California would be erased immediately if those people were to answer honestly, because it's estimated that one out of every four people living in the state of California is in the country illegally. <laughs> See, it gets real. That's why they fought that. That's why the Democrats fought that one so hard, because they don't want to lose the ability to get welfare benefits and checks from the federal government. They don't want to lose their House of Representative members or how, you know, the, the, the apportionment of the census determines a lot of things that are really, really important in the big scheme of things, especially when you're talking about power. So he's, and, and the other parts that we have to kind of unpack here, he says 30,000 illegal aliens would be released into the country. And notice how somehow the fluke of the law for us is that they don't get released at the border back into Mexico. They're released into America. This is what's wrong, which is what the president is trying to fix, which is why I don't understand why everybody is fighting him on it. I don't get that. Uh, so I want to give you guys. Oh, we already have callers. Awesome. Let's go to the phones. If you want to join us, it's 866-963-2037. 866-963-2037. Also, India Partners, we are working hard to provide a thousand days of safety today through partnership with you, our listeners. That number that you can call to partner with us is 877-616-2396, 877-616-2396, or head over to AFR.net. We appreciate your partnership and your listening and making your home here on American Family Radio Let's go to the phones. We have Daniel in Oklahoma. Hey, thanks for holding on, Daniel. Thanks for calling in. All right, thanks for taking my call. Um, I think the whole thing, if we look at what Maxine Waters says about it being total resistance, and it's total resistance to uh, Christianity, total resistance to Trump, and total resistance to the Constitution, and putting this deal about the bed for the criminals is just to create chaos, hoping that Trump would not sign the bill and and so they can blame it on him when they really don't want the bill signed. They don't care about another uh, 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 stop on the uh, government. And also, I think when they threw away God out of the platform, they replaced the Bible with rules for radicals or mm. rebels. That's all I have to say. Mm. Daniel, dead on. Thank you for calling. Thank you for those the spot on comments. I tell you what, uh, and no offense. I don't mean to offend you, but the truth is, the truth is going to come out. You can't advocate for lawlessness and, you know, the murderousness that's going on and then be like, yeah, because that's what God wants us to do. No, it isn't. It isn't. Don't, don't try that over here. Nobody believes that. Nobody is falling for that. 
Okay, Tommy in Ohio. Hey, Tommy, thanks for calling the show today. Hi, how are you doing? Uh, good. Uh, doing good. Hey, um, they, um, the government is, is uh, if it, I called yesterday about the Democratic president would build that wall. They, they would agree to $50 billion or whatever it is to, to build that wall, and it'd take them 25 years to build it if Democrats was in charge. But the thing is, is they don't want Trump to win at all, so they offer him this $1 billion. they got to buy more than the gate. You know what I'm talking about here? they got to spend more than a billion dollars. Yeah, well, they do. And, and if this were any other issue, if this were Planned Parenthood funding, they'd say, oh, can we increase Planned Parenthood funding? Well, then we want to give Planned Parenthood $25 billion a year. So any woman in America can have an abortion for free. You just walk into Planned Parenthood, no questions asked, you get it done, and it's paid for by the taxpayers, and we'll allocate up to $25 billion for it. I can find uh, at least 100 other things they would say that for. Um, do you remember, uh, Tommy, I don't know if you were listening to the show, we were talking about the Rural Utility Service. The program costs taxpayers $8.2 billion a year and has no actual purpose the Democrats were behind that one. Sugar subsidies, community development grants, the United Nations, we donate $10 billion to them a year. Amtrak, that costs us $9.7 billion a year. President Trump's asking for a one-time payment of $5.7 billion. He wants a total cost of $26 billion. All of these programs cost on a yearly basis unused uh, real estate. We spend $15 billion a year on real estate, owning it, maintaining it, heating it, cooling it. But... It, nobody's in it. It's just empty buildings. Foreign aid. We spend $50 billion a year helping to develop foreign countries. President Trump wants $5.7 billion. And fraud, waste, and abuse, which is estimated to cost taxpayers $137 billion a year in payment errors. And we're sitting up here arguing over $5.7 billion, which is less than one-tenth of a percent of one-tenth of one percent of the total annual federal budget. Oh, Excellent comment. Fantastic. That's what we have to do is we have to keep sharp on our toes and remember how to argue this thing. It's not so much about convincing Nancy Pelosi as it is about convincing constituents and districts that just sent Democrats back to Congress because those Democrats said they were moderate. People actually don't want this drama that we're seeing right now. Even Democrats who are, you know, maybe opposed on social issues to where I might be, they, they're not lawless. They're, they're still people with families, and they want to see safety in America. Let's go to Michael in Michigan. Hey, Michael, thank you for calling the show. Hey, good afternoon. Hey, I just had a comment. Um, you played the recording of the White House rep um, where you made the comment that, you know, if we're going to release these 30,000, then what districts will we release them to? I, I just got a kick out of that. What would be their response? What would, would Pelosi actually start naming or any of the Dems actually name any areas? that they would be okay with releasing these 30,000. No, they wouldn't. They, they, in their minds, this is rural America, because you know how they hate rural Americans. They hate the Midwest. They hate anybody who's not living in a big city and drinking Starbucks for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Michael, I think what, they, what the president should announce is if we're forced to reduce the number of beds, we will apportion you know, a third of them into Nancy Pelosi's district, a third of them into Chuck Schumer's district, and a third of them into... What, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez? <laughs> Any one of those people. Just send them on down the line and see what happens. An announcement like that from the White House, every single American would be like, pump the brakes. Where do we live again? Do we live in one of those districts? And the people who live in those districts would burn Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and AOC's phone lines to the ground. You, it, it, 
I mean, no questions asked. Absolutely. Hey, we have time for one more quick call. Don in Mississippi. Hey, Don, thanks for calling the show today. Hi, Stacy. This is Don. Uh, you're two times my sister, sister in Christ and sister in the Air Force. Oh, thanks yes, yes, yes. Thank you for your Listen, service. I just wanted to thank you. I just wanted to mention Article 4, Section 4 of the Constitution states that uh, the United States shall provide protection for each of the states against invasion. And in the absence of the legislation, the executive branch will provide them also the protection against domestic violence. It sounds to me like all of our congressmen on the left are violating their own oath. And if you look it up at House.gov and Senate.gov, they take the same oath you and I did to protect the Constitution. Mm-hmm. And all they want to do is change it and ignore it. You got a good point there. I, I, I think we have other remedies and we just have to access them. And if there's anybody who'll do it, Don, I think it's Donald Trump. Not because he's the most amazing person in the world or, you know, that I worship him. Oh, far from it. But I think he's more single-mindedly focused on this than anyone else. I want to give you one more time the number to India Partners. It's 877-616-2396. 877-616-2396 or AFR.net. India Partners has a fantastic record of passing on the majority of what you're giving to these kids and creating a safe place for them so that they don't have to experience the horrors of their moms working in, in the, the, the arena of prostitution. And it is something amazing that we get to do to partner with them. And I'm so grateful for every one of you who have already given. If you have not, go to AFR.net. It's so quick and easy. I love the way we have it set up so that you can get in and get out and get back to your day. And I want to thank you for being here for this portion of the program. God bless you from the heartland. See you tomorrow.